The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today's episode of Disability Matters has been previously recorded. Please enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. This is Joyce Bender. So excited to have all of you with us today. Before we get going, I know you know what I'm going to do. Right now I'm wearing that ADA 25 shirt. And that, of course, is that next year is the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I want everyone to be involved. As a matter of fact, if you go to adalegacy.org, you can buy a shirt just like the one I'm wearing. Hey, folks, there's 50 million of us. Time that at least... 20 million get together, right? Just think how much power we would have if we all worked together. So I want you to go to adalegacy.org, buy a shirt, get ready later this month for Mark Johnson, who is really the leader for this whole project, to be with us on the show. And a special shout-out to Yoshiko Dart out there. Yoshiko, love you. Well, I am excited about our show today because I was speaking to our author prior to the show um, about a subject that I know you all know is a hot button with me, and that's bullying. And we are going to talk about that later in the show. But first, I want to introduce Donna Hill, who is an author, the book, The Heart of Apple Butter Hill. She is a person on a mission. She is someone that you're going to so much enjoy hearing from. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Joyce. It's my pleasure. So, Donna, first question that I would ask you, what made you decide to be an author? So many people I meet, they say, I wish I had been an author. I always wanted to be an author. <laughs> okay, you are an author. So what made you decide to do that? Um, it's not a decision. I have always been into writing. Uh, writing is just something that's part of me. Um, I think there have been times in my life where I've tried to set it aside and said, I'm not going to write. I'm not going to write. But it's kind of like holding your breath. Um, so, no, I, I did not decide to be an author. It's just part of what I do and who I am. Wow. Well, that's a good explanation, and I'm sure that's the reason that many authors do that. By the way, October, the first Tuesday in October, Karen Slaughter, who is an international bestseller um, in the New York Times, is going to be on the show, and that is because she writes these really riveting thrillers. The protagonist is a person with a learning disability. Oh. And, yes, and that is because her, sus- her sister 
had a learning disability, and everyone called her stupid, which just leads into what we'll be talking in a little bit. Um, but I love, I, I'm sure she would have the same answer when I ask her. So here's my question, Donna, as a person who is blind, I'm wanting to know what was it like. And, and what I mean is I live with epilepsy. I know there are always obstacles or in specifically attitudinal barriers like people saying to me, how, how can you work? How can you live a normal life? Uh, which always amazes me when they ask me this question. Um, but I'm interested to know, you know, when you told people I'm going to be an author, did you ever encounter these attitudinal barriers? Um, I encountered attitudinal barriers from the time that I was four years old, and so I never really thought to parcel them out and say, well, this attitudinal barrier is because I wanted to write, or this one is because, you know, I want to go for long walks or anything. But uh, for me, I was born with a, a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. I was legally blind. I had some usable vision, but it was very difficult to use. I was the first person uh, who was legally blind who was mainstreamed in our local school district, and that was a problem right there because they didn't want me. Um, and their their answer was, well, if she doesn't want to go to the school for the blind and she wants to stay here in public school, she can do things the way everybody else does. And that meant reading print. And um, I struggled with it initially, uh, and uh, it, it, they never wanted to teach me Braille, even though my condition was a degenerative one. Um, it, it, it was that kind of atmosphere was was the backdrop for everything else that was going on. So uh, when you talk about attitudinal barriers, uh, I think that, that that was the primary one that was going on. You know, I've heard these stories so many times, but it doesn't matter when I hear it. I just get so angry and have just this fire that goes off inside of me because talk about pure discrimination. I mean, that's what it was. Pure discrimination. Yeah, you can go here, but uh, that's like same thing. You can go here. Okay, you're deaf, but you're going to have to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's... That was what it was, and, you know, I mean, some teachers were nicer than others, and, you know, were really, I was very fortunate that my first grade teacher, at least I got a good start in terms of that she expected me to learn, and um, she didn't act at all like she didn't want me in her class or anything like that, but um, I did have a, a lot of, or some teachers, <laughs> that that did act like they did not want me, and... Uh, you know, you you know that, and you yet it, I mean, what are you going to do? You're in third grade or whatever. <laughs> you just have to put up with it. But see, then people wonder why people grow up to have you know the feeling, the scars. You're a child. You're a child, and you get the feeling we don't want you. I mean, that's terrible, well, and it's horrible. I think that that it's a very a very important part of being a healthy adult is to have a healthy community and family experience as a child. Somebody has to love you. Somebody has to make you feel welcome. Somebody has to expect great things from you and enjoy your company. And when you don't have that, 
or when you have so little of that compared to the other stuff that's going on where we don't want you, you know, you know, why don't you just go sit in a corner <laughs> and leave us alone? Uh, there's that ratio. You just can't function with it sometimes. I mean, it, it does leave scars, and that's uh, the sad part of, uh, well, one of the sad parts about it. Um, and you know what else? It it influences other teachers, you know, to be the same way because one teacher Absolutely. tells another teacher, oh, I have this, you know, student who is blind and it takes all this extra time and it's a pain. And, and you know, this becomes like a snowball. And, and then we wonder why people, you know, why we have this extraordinarily high unemployment rate for people with disabilities. And it's those things they get that ball rolling because guess what? There are other students in the class right. that grow up and they grow up to be and they become teachers and they become business people and healthcare professionals and they remember that that little blind kid in their class when they were little, you know, wasn't expected to participate, wasn't valued, um, was teased in front of the teacher and the teacher you know, never did anything about it. Um, so so the, that's how those things get passed on from one generation to another. I feel that we ought to have something akin to what we have in terms of women's studies and black studies. We ought to have disability studies. It ought to be early, um, at least for blind people. And I can't speak as an expert on any other kind of disability, but for blind people, most of the blind people in the world grew up sighted. And they learned how valued other people were by their experiences. So if they had a little blind kid in their class, they learned that that kid wasn't valued very much and it was okay to to pick on them. Uh, When they grow up and they lose their vision, they start to internalize those ideas uh, that they had about blindness onto themselves, and it, it is a, the hardest thing that rehab counselors have to deal with with people who are adults who lose their vision because they've got this set mind about what it means to be blind, and it doesn't mean anything good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, right. No, I agree with you. Um, and, and also, the students in that class, in the first, second, third, fourth grade going on up, if they see the teacher treating that person different, in, it, different, but in this case, different mean, different you're inferior, different mm-hmm. you shouldn't be here, they think the teacher knows everything. The well, teacher's of course they always do. right. They're you know, the teacher's their that. authority figure. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do exactly, and that's what we, we tell our kids, you know, that this the teacher, you know, listen to the teacher, you know, the teacher was this, and they get this impression that the teacher knows everything and that any attitude they may have is a, a proper one. Um, I had a particular teacher in third grade who really did not want me in her class, and she used to just let the kids bully me in front of her, and she would giggle. And um, I hated her. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I, that, that is so cruel. That is absolutely so cruel. And don't think this story doesn't go on, Donna. Oh, I Because know. I was at, I work with universities and from, you know, a small school like 
Carlo University or Geneva College to MIT and Harvard. And when I go to these schools across America and someone tells me the story of, okay, I'm deaf, and I, you know, I, I let the professor know but I, you know, I would not understand something. Now, this would be someone, excuse me, hard of hearing, and would raise their hand that they couldn't hear this, and the te- the professor didn't want to be bothered with that extra time, exactly. and would act like you just don't know, you're not paying attention, and that amazes me that this is, you know, and I could give you countless examples. Someone in my office who is a young man with a learning disability, you know, when he was in school, he was trying to use this assistive technology, and the teacher hollered at him, told him to put it away. Uh-huh. Well, so, you know, you know it's, we it's, need to do something. We, we got a lot something. of work before us. And, and you know, uh, for everyone listening to the show, I want to reiterate what Donna said, and that is we need more research in this area, just so we have hard data, so we can go really to these institutions and say, hey, this is what you're doing, guess what? We're not going to put up with it. And right now, we're going to go to break. You're listening to Joyce Bender, who's talking to Donna Hill on Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Donna. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back everyone, this is Joy Spender. Today we're talking to Donna Hill, author the book The Heart of Apple Butter Hill and an author who is a person who is blind, therefore, like me with epilepsy, sees how people treat you. Unfortunately, they're when they think you're so different, you should be treated really differently. Now, you know, there are great people in this world, and we know that. But we've got to fight the fight for young people and what they're going through today. But before we talk about that more, Donna, um, I'm sure people are not going to only want to know about your book, uh, but also how they can purchase that book. So why don't you start by telling everyone The Heart of Apple Butter Hill. What, what is that story about? Well, The Heart of Apple Butter Hill is a combination of fantasy and reality. Uh, that is designed mostly for middle school audiences. However, I have a lot of adults. I tried to put enough stuff in there that kids would just read right over and adults would go, oh, great. <laughs> you know. So um, it, it really has been appealing to all ages. Um, I have recommendations from professors, from teachers, from artists, writers, musicians uh, to use this in schools to promote diversity, inclusion, and anti-bullying. Um, so that's kind of the overview of, of the purpose of it and what we're doing with it. Uh, but basically, it's about two 14-year-old kids, um, Abigail and Baggy. And um, Abigail is legally blind, and she was, like me, didn't get any adaptive training, any kind of non-visual techniques and, and everything. And then now, as the book starts... She has been, and she has a guide dog, and she's learning Braille, and she has a, a digital recorder that she listens to books on. Uh, so, But these two kids get into all kinds of adventures, and in the course of their adventures, they uncover a secret that there is a stone that some people think is magical, and other people think it's an artifact, but at any rate, it's very valuable. It's called the Heartstone of Arden Goth, and there are people who want to steal it. And they find out that there's actually a plot, and Abigail finds out who uh, is behind the plot. But the book is them trying to figure out what to do about this now that they know about it. And um, the the stone is hidden somewhere on campus um, at the school that they go to. And it's a private school. It's called the Plum Kettle Learning Center, and it's a wonderful, wonderful school. I would have loved to go there. Everybody studies driving, including blind kids. 
um, and they start when they're in kindergarten. They have a little thing called Pedal Town, and the little ones go and they pedal around Pedal Town and they learn road etiquette and such like that. But there's also a thing going on in the book where um, Abigail and Baggy have a friend named Christopher, and Christopher is a very troubled boy, and he is getting bullied and beat up, and they want to know why, and they don't know why, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they do eventually figure this out, what's going on. But there are a couple of places in the book where Christopher is probably the main one that where you see this bullying scene, well, how teachers deal with it, how students deal with it, um, how the, the kid deals with it. Uh, but I wanted the main part of this, the main aspect of the bullying, not to be from the major character, uh, but, but how the major characters see what's going around going on around them because I think that that's we we don't we it's so easy to ignore some things and you know if you want to go out and play baseball and, and you're going and somebody gets bullied or beat up or hit or their books thrown over someplace um, you just want to go play baseball so you kind of ignore it and uh, I I think it's important to see how kids don't have to ignore it and how they can uh, make a difference and bring some attention to the issue uh, in spite of all the factors that go on. There's another blind girl in the story, and she gets very viciously bullied. Um, Actually, she gets injured um, because of a couple of girls who are angry with her because she won a prize in a a, um, sculpture contest pottery contest, excuse me. And that is a common theme that I've heard from a lot of blind people where if you make an accomplishment, if you do something, people around you, there's got to, going to be somebody who says they just gave it to her because she's blind. Or someone else will say they're, they're, she's taking things away from a, from a sighted student, a more worthy person because of the blindness. And and this is something that that I have heard from people who have PhDs who are blind. Uh, One of my friends had a a situation where she got accepted to law school, and her own aunt called up her mother and told her what a disgrace and terrible thing this was that you know that they were allowing her you know, to, to, to go and that this was taking a place in law school away from someone who was sighted and who could obviously use the degree and become a lawyer, whereas a blind person, uh, you know, doesn't count and they're never going to be able to make anything of their lives and stuff. Well, uh, uh, those kinds of things oh, go on. Oh, here we and go. This is even a family member. It was a family member, yes, and it's not the first time I have another friend who said that her mother, in spite of the fact that her mother did a lot of good things for her, she instilled in her the, the, the belief that if you ever get anywhere in this life, it will be because someone who can see felt sorry for you and helped you along. Oh. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, you back up from that kind of thinking and it's like, well, you know, the truth of the matter is anybody, whether they're disabled or they're not disabled, uh, 
we can't really get anywhere in life unless somebody else, unless we connect with somebody else. And that's true, but not this whole thing where they feel sorry for you. Maybe they like you. Maybe they, you know, thought that what you wrote or what you said was interesting, you know, but, but to, to, to raise children with that kind of, and she was, she didn't have an aha moment about that until she was in graduate school, and she kept getting such good grades, and she went to her counselor, and she was in tears, and she said, you know, I don't understand why they're giving me such good grades. I don't want them to feel sorry for me. And the, the advisor was like, huh? <laughs> they're not doing that. <laughs> You're earning the, 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 the good grades. And, and she didn't realize until then how much that that early attitude that her mother had had affected her. Now, how old would you say she was when she, this part in school? Well, that was when she was a graduate student, which I imagine was what? 22 years old. And this oh, is, my goodness. And this is a kid who was born legally blind. And she still thought that. And she still that thought that. Oh, my goodness. That is so terrible. A comment I want to make, if you're listening right now, here's the, here's the deal. We all can use a mentor or someone to help us. But I'm meaning if you have a disability or not, you need a mentor. I'm sure you've all read many business books where they talk about, uh, you know, having a mentor that can help you. You know, all these books on being an influencer. Okay, yeah, everyone needs that. But that isn't the same as charity. I could be a mentor to a young person with a disability, which I am to many, but I certainly don't feel sorry for them because guess what? I'm living with epilepsy and a hearing loss. So, uh, you know, with me, it's all about no pity. So you've got to stop getting these confused. And I'll say one other thing. This is why I tell parents of children with epilepsy, do not say don't tell anyone. You know what you're really saying? There's something wrong with you. You're saying it's not okay. That's and, right. I, and a lot of people, like myself, when I was little, you know, I was supposed to try to not be blind. I, I, I never knew I was really actually was blind. It was like I could see stuff, you know, but it would take me like an hour to read something that somebody else took 15 minutes to read. And then as time went on, it, it was even worse. Um, but well, uh, I mean, this is—you've got to stop it, parents. If you do that, you've got to stop it. You're—you're you're, by the way, you're setting your child up for um, a terrible emotional spin as they grow up in life. But we're going to talk more to Donna right now. We're going to go to break. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Donna Hill an author, and we're talking about her book, The Heart of Apple Butter Hill, which, by the way, I would recommend not only that everyone buy it, but I'm going to have Donna call back in in December so I can remind you about this great holiday gift. We'll be right back. Joyce Bender on VoiceAmerica.com.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome back, everyone. This is Joyce Bender, and we are today talking to Donna Hill, the author of The Heart of Apple Butter Hill. If you didn't hear, go back and listen. This is great. If you need a gift for the kids in middle school or all the way through adulthood, but this book is awesome. You know, we were just talking about it. I do have a question for you, Donna. The characters in these books, are they going to come back? Um, I am working on the sequel. Good. Because, you know, you can continue to have them come back. They just keep getting a little bit older. Well, there there are some things that are not resolved 
and were not resolvable in the this particular book that, you know, will tie over into the next one. But I made up this entire uh, country and, and community and everything. I was like, why would I waste that? I already did the hard work. I know how all the, you know, I, I know all the streets and what the school looks like <laughs> and everything. And uh, why, why not just uh, uh, do a sequel, which is what I wanted to do all along. I don't know if I'll live long enough to to do three or or of them, but I I would like to do three of them. I have been so impressed with Donna and what she talked about with this book that, listen, everyone, I'm going to have her call back in to one of the shows in December so I can remind everyone what a great holiday gift. I already have young people in mind I'm going to buy this book for, Donna. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. So I hope everyone, I hope you remember that, but we'll remind you um, to call back in. Well, you obviously address bullying in your book we've been talking about, so here's my question. Why? And I bet I have the answer, but you tell our listeners. I, I think there are a couple of different answers, but the one that I seem to be focusing on of late is that bullying is a way to keep people in their place. It's a way of preserving a social structure as human beings, I think we've gone through a long period of time where we had these horrible ideas, you know, that it was okay for some people to be slaves. It was okay for men to make decisions about what women, what was best for women, for blacks, to have to look to whites to get what was best, you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, there being these one-down positions and people with disabilities kind of being on the bottom of the heap. And we are in a transition. We have some, we have made some steps forward in terms of rights for people with disabilities. But there is so much more to do. And um, I, I really think that the, the, the whole bullying thing when it comes to people with disabilities has a lot to do with getting the message across to that kid that they don't count, that they aren't special and that they should stay in their place. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting way to have explaining it, but it's true. That is so true. You're stay in your place. You're not the same. You're not accepted. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and I'm going to guess you went through this, Donna. Well, I went through a lot of bullying, and it wasn't all verbal. And um, it never stopped from the time I went to school in first grade till um, I went to college. When I went to college, I went to a college where no one from my graduating class in high school was there. I was the only one. So nobody knew. We were all new, and they didn't bother me. I don't know why, but it ended then. It just dropped off, you know, at that point in time. But from the, from first grade through 12th grade, it was constant. And when I say constant, I mean many times a day. I mean, whenever anybody had a chance to poke me, to say something, to throw my books on the floor and, and, um, and have the joy, the uncalculable joy of watching a blind person try to find their stuff that had been thrown all over the floor. Um, you know, <laughs> I was like, that's what they're doing. And, and, and you can't just tell a kid. I mean, I, I was told, you know, that these people... 
you know, that they didn't represent the best of humanity and that it was no reflection on me and yada, yada, yada. But you don't hear that when you're immersed in it. You don't hear it as true. Every day. Oh, yeah. Every day. Many times a day. And eventually, every two years or so, I would explode. <laughs> and I would get into a fight with somebody and end up in the, in the principal's office. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's just, I was terrified to go to school. When I went to school in high school, I was so upset, I got sick every morning. I would go to school, I'd get off the bus, I'd be in the bathroom. I was sick every day. And there wasn't any help for it. You know, there wasn't anybody who took me aside and said, Hey, Donna, what's wrong? You know, why are you getting sick every day? Well, what about, uh, so your family didn't notice this? No, they weren't in school. I mean, they knew they knew I was being bullied, and they were they when I was a kid. They used to tell me how to handle it. You know, well, Donna, just ignore them, or well, Donna, why don't you try shaming them? You know, to, this always works really good. How would you feel if someone did that to you? You know, well, they don't really care. You know, uh, and it, that doesn't work. And ignoring them, I didn't think ignoring them worked. Nothing seemed to work, and my parents were just, they just couldn't believe that this was going on, because it, it wasn't anything that they experienced when they were kids, that why would anybody do this? And yeah. Like, oh. uh, you know what? How many people I tell this, something like this to, and they say, oh, Joyce, I mean, I find that hard to believe. I mean, uh, really, yeah. it was that much? I mean, really, Joyce, people aren't that mean. I can't picture people doing that. I mean, yeah, how well, is that you, possible? That irritates the sap out of me, and I've heard it a lot, and I've heard it some, from some very nice people. And sometimes I think they really, what they're saying, it's, it's not, they don't believe that they can't believe it. They just have to say that because it's such a shock to their system because they haven't really ever thought about it. Uh, but, you know, uh, we used to have a code, like the criminal code, like like even the hard, hardened criminals wouldn't uh, do anything nasty to a, 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 a disabled person or whatever. It, it, I mean, there used to be this sort of code, but there's no code anywhere anymore. I mean, people will do what they're going to do, mm-hmm. and, and it, it is very difficult um, when you have a community that refuses to acknowledge that this is going on and allows it either just by default or by openly participating in it, you you can't get rid of it. It means you have to you have to get the community, and that's why I, I want to take my book um, into schools into middle schools and let kids have the fun of reading a book that, that they will enjoy. And I promise you that, you know, the, the kids will enjoy the story. Um, and in the process of reading the story, they meet people with disabilities and they see them in a way that they're not going to see them in class. Books are wonderful. Books give you a chance to have an intimate knowledge of people who you may never meet in your life. 
And the thing about blindness is that blindness is a low-incidence disability, especially, like I said, in the younger grades, because they're, of the, all the blind people who exist, only about 20% of them lose their vision as, as children. So the likelihood of a person having a blind classmate is pretty small. So, so the idea is to give them this experience to, to humanize the person. I mean, my heroine is not perfect, and she's not um, some goody two-shoes or anything like that. She, you know, she, she gets mad and she gets frustrated and maybe does things that she shouldn't do. Uh, but that's, that's what humanizing somebody is. That's who we all are. And so my hope is that I can make some difference in some people's lives by having them read this. And if I may, I keep wanting to say this and I forget. Um, there is a very, very famous author named Donna Hill. I'm not her. Um, there's a very famous uh, African-American author named Donna Hill. I go by Donna W. Hill. Um, so if anybody wants to look me up, it's DonnaWHill.com. Um, I, I kind of had to stick the W in there because uh, we were in the same profession. So. <laughs> so you don't want people to get confused. No, I don't want people to get confused. You know, I did want to tell you something. Jim Homey is a wonderful person. He's a manager in my company. Uh, he is a person who is blind, but he did go, um, he was blind from birth, and he did go to a school for the blind mm-hmm. before he got into, you know, later in his education and then later on went to college. But I remember, as I'm hearing you talk, I do remember him telling me that he was taught like if it was time, if you were out at a cafeteria or, or wherever it was, that you should wait till everyone else gets their food. Huh? Because you're the blind person. Oh, great. And then when everybody, when you get your food as the last person, guess what there aren't any of that you can tell? Eat. <laughs> but, I mean, this goes into what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. and, I, and there, there, uh, there are a lot of bizarre things like that because... I mean, we're all different, and people have their own way of defining how you should handle this, that, or the other thing, and that's that's pretty bizarre. <laughs> Wait till all of the other kids have gotten their food. You know, I used to be terrified to get my food, and then to try to find a seat because I couldn't see who was sitting in any place. And you know, of course, if you make the wrong decision, you might be at a table full of bullies. Or, uh, you know, or they might see you looking at them and say, you know, don't don't even think about it. <laughs> well, you but, know, it was that he was taught that whole thing of deference because uh-huh. he was blind. Well, and and uh, I uh, I kind of understand where that comes from, but I don't think that the people who want to impose that thing understand what that does. You are saying basically to that person that they are not the same. And you're saying you're essentially saying, "Look, we're willing to take care of you. You're human. We're not going to kill you like a wild animal would kill a disabled child, offspring. Okay, we're going to take care of you, but you have to do some things and understand that your place is not to try to compete with the rest of us." And I, I think that's a terrible message, but I think that is the message. Mm-hmm. I do too. 
And if you're listening to the show and you're wondering, wait, does this still go on? Of course it does. And some of you have heard my young woman I love so much who has been on the show several times, Julie McCauley. And, uh, you know, when Julie, about three years ago when she was graduating from high school, uh, very beautiful girl, blonde hair, but as a result of Stephen Johnson syndrome, uh, totally lost her vision in one eye and, and, and very limited in the other eye. So when you would look at her, you know, you could tell, oh, something happened. And when Julie was in school, she was pushed into the locker so hard, she almost one time had a concussion. She used to wear glasses to school, sunglasses, and a person came on one side and blew an air horn, and then on the other stole the glasses. They called her Blind Barbie Freak. Her mother called me and said, Joyce, I'm worried that I am going to, and by the way, she was in Colorado of all places uh, with Columbine there. She was worried she would one day hear an ambulance and it would be Julie. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it, uh, you remind me of a, a story that one uh, friend told me about. She said she had gone to Catholic school for the first six or so years or whatever, and she never had a problem. Uh, I don't think the, the nuns in her school at least weren't going to tolerate it. But then she moved, and she had to go to a different school, and it was a public school. And a bunch of boys took her up to the very top of the school uh, inside at, in the stairwell, and they picked her up upside down, and they hung her over the edge of the steps so that she could, you know, if they dropped her, she would have gone down several floors. Oh. <sighs> Unbelievable. Yep. What happened to her? Well, they, 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 they tired of, uh, tormenting her, I guess. And I don't know if somebody was coming or they were late for class or whatever, but they, they didn't, they didn't let her drop. I hesitate to say they didn't hurt her. They hurt her. Oh, well, you've got to be kidding. Talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. I mean, that, exactly. is, uh, that is terrible. Yes. I think a lot of see us what have I mean? that. I mean, this is what I mean. You have no idea what young people with disabilities go through. Really, you don't. And that is, there you go, two more examples. And by the way, uh, Julie's parents, when they went to the school to complain, the school mm-hmm. wouldn't do anything. And then they went back and they said, oh, okay, well, actually, uh, they had called me to talk about this on the radio show, and then they ultimately did send an apology. And so ironic, they had this uh, special award ceremony. I'm talking now about the uh, National Blind Association for Young People, and uh, different things were set up. And when you know, the person that came to that school which is now the high school, and set with Julie was Michelle Obama. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's amazing how things cool? happen. Yes. Well, that, that, that helps, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, obviously Michelle Obama is not going to be able to sit with every disabled child that's been done wrong by these bullies, but we have to become less tolerant of this. You have to nip it in the bug. You have to stop it. And as anybody who's into bullying will tell you, 
a kid that's getting bullied, I don't care if they're blind or they're just, you know, a a normal kid, uh, they don't want to say anything about it because it just makes, they're already on the outside. And if they tell somebody, it just makes them, you know, feel even worse. So a lot of them won't mention that. Um, uh, and, and I showed that in my book, that just, you know, one of the characters who just did not want anybody to know who was responsible for what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you can train other people. You can train teachers, and you can tell there are good people out there. You know, I mean, there are some, but they also get caught up in the same things. I remember when I was in fifth grade, uh, one little boy who was my piano teacher's son stood up for me in front of the whole class when they were bullying me. And he told them that I was just like anybody else and that his mother said that, you know, uh, you know I was a, a person too and they shouldn't. You know what they did? They lit right into him. He never heard the end of it. They really... And there's probably a couple kids in the class who didn't want to be participating in that and they were hanging back. They couldn't do anything, but they could see. They could know what was going on. And those kids, if you're a person with some sensibility and you see something going on, you have to go and talk to somebody and tell them, this is what's going on. You weren't there, but this is what's happening, and this kid is being endangered uh, in a number of different directions. Uh, you know, right. their, no, their whole life. And, you know, Donna, I can just tell by hearing you, someone had an impact on you. Someone gave you that muchness. Someone gave you the ability to, uh, you know, deal with things. Um, And I don't know who it was, but who was your role model? Who was the person? Um, I I guess I didn't have one. I mean, until my husband came along, which was when I was about... 28 years old, I didn't have a role model. Um, I, I had a couple of people who were friendly to me and who were a, a big help to me, but they, it never crossed over, I don't know, to real friendship, shall we say. Um, I, I felt pretty darn alone, and, you know, it, it, was, it was my husband more than anybody who... It, basically instilled in me some kind of... Uh, I was always a fighter. I, you know, I mean, I, I was, it was like, I believe them. They're right. I'm no good. I'm yada, yada, but I'm going to fight anyway. <laughs> I mean, it just was, was like that because of who I am. But uh, I, I never had... Uh, and I think that's something that we shouldn't allow. I mean, kids should have role models. Kids, not people who are 28 years old. You know, the, the, the children should be exposed to somebody that they can look up to, someone who will accept them for who they are, who has their best interests at heart, who is willing to deal with the things that they're dealing with and, and to accentuate the things that, that they want to deal with, the interests they have, you know, and not just chalk it all up. To, you know, well, you can't do that because you're blind or whatever. My brother, I could have killed them. I was a little kid, and I had my brother, was, I guess I was in about second grade, and he was not even in, in school yet. He was blind, too. And people would say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, and Jeffrey said, 
you know, I want to be a fireman. And the first thing they did was, you can't be a fireman. You're blind. Blah, 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 blah. You know, who cares? Do you know how many years we are from, away from him deciding whether he's going to be a fireman or not? Why don't you let that child have a dream, for God's sake? You know, I, I mean, it just made me so mad. And I was just a kid at the time. Oh, I hate that. I do. I hate that. Well, Donna, we only have a couple minutes left sure. in the show, but I did want to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. So much you've done in your life with this book. I mean, it's just so awesome. What, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, uh, in, in, in some ways, I consider the book to be my greatest accomplishment, but that's sort of, I have to say, maybe like I used to think this the song that I was writing at the moment. I used to be a songwriter, and I had three albums out and such. But they, with the one I'm working on now has got to be the best one, and so you feel that way. But I think, really, I was thinking about this earlier, I think my best accomplishment was somehow muddling through until I got to a point where I met Rich and, and I could really move forward. I think surviving is my yeah. best accomplishment. Uh, yeah, isn't that... Uh, well, first, I want to just say this before we end the show, Donna. I think you're awesome. I think you're, and I know all of my listeners, hey, remember the book. You've got to get this book, The Heart of Apple Butter Hill. I forgot to ask you, Donna, how do they get that book? Um, it, it's on everything. Whatever you want to do, you want to buy it in print on Amazon, Kindle, Nook, Sony, Smashwords. It's, it's anywhere you want to go. If you go to DonnaWHill.com, there are links to all the different um uh, if you have a iPad, it's on iTunes. So anywhere you're used to getting your books, whether they're print or e ebooks, it's there. And for people who have uh, print disabilities, it's on Bookshare. Okay. Well, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today, Donna? We just have to keep moving forward. We're in an interim time. We're... I I don't think I'm going to live to see a huge change. I'd like to be wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you what, Donna. We end every show with a quote from a leader that has impacted Americans or people throughout the world. Today, that quote is, bullying is a way of keeping people in their place said, Donna Hill. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.